With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins. When you're with your good friend Tim, it's 77 minutes in heaven. Hello, welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that thinks Luca and Devin were more kissing than fighting, if we're going to be honest about that uh, last minute exchange. Just, just, just saying, that was, uh, it was adorable. It was, a, it was an adorable little sequence between uh, two friendly little fellas, you know, just, just dudes being guys. Super fond of each other. Yeah, it's just very, very intimate. Two superstars mm-hmm. can be intimate as a, as a treat. Guys being lads, bros being homies. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. We've got Mike Pellucci, who writes, uh, edits, uh, runs Strong Side at D Magazine. We've got Austin Guria, who occasionally writes for D Magazine. Not so much lately, since the Cowboys are not in season. But he is where he can also be found at Dime Magazine and other places, including here. We're here to mm-hmm. talk about the Dallas Mavericks, obviously. That is what this podcast is about. The Mavericks on Sunday, the matinee game, very early, they lost. I think it was an interesting game because, like I said in our pre-show meeting, which lasted all of 15 seconds, so I don't know what you guys feel about this. I think you could take an optimistic or a pessimistic view of the Mavericks' you know, loss, but result overall. I think that there are you know real directions to kind of skew in both sides. And so, I mean, I think the, 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 the place to start this is just a, a vibe check. After the Mavericks lost and have lost six of eight, but looked at times very promising against what is presumed to be quite possibly the favorite in the West. I'm not sure I'd go that far just yet, but a very good team in the West that just got better. The Mavericks did go toe to toe with them and shot for shot for them a lot of the game. And it came down to, you know, a game tying shot that I think Luca would make 99 times out of 100 and he just missed it. Let's start with Mike. Vibe check. Where are you at? I think the process of everything that happened yesterday was pretty good, right? They played Phoenix the way you need to play Phoenix, which is Booker and Durant. There are very few teams that are equipped to stop one of them, let alone both. The key to beating them is you keep Paul off the score sheet, even though that's granted easier these days than it's ever been in his career. But still, you keep Paul off the score sheet. You don't let DeAndre Ayton do much. And then you just hope that you don't get random you know, hot three-point shooting performances from the rest of the role players, right? And they did that for most of that game. You know, it was very telling that, I mean, the first half, it was very obvious that it was just leave a Kogi open in the corner, let him take that corner three, you know, limit everybody that isn't Paul or Booker. It was working super great. What happened at the end was Paul hit a few shots because Paul eventually hit some shots. They found a fifth guy, a fifth guy to be on the floor in Ishwain Wright, who is that sustainable long-term? I don't know. That's Phoenix's problem to figure out, but they found that guy. Uh, and... 
on Dallas's side, it did come to the end. I agree with you that everything about that last shot it was unfortunate, but that's what you want. That's a better that's a better late game possession than we normally get from this team. What four to five late game attempts like that? It's they went to, he went to the rim the way he should have. Great attempt, didn't roll in. So everything you want them to do, they did right. And this is a game where Maxi wasn't playing, where Josh Green left early, where Luca looked a little banged up. So you could talk yourself into this working, but the flip side of it is just that. You did every. You got Phoenix to do everything that you wanted them to do. You got a great game from Tim Hardaway Jr. in support of Luca and Kyrie Irving. You got a random hot stretch from Christian Wood. Although maybe random is not fair, right? Because Christian Wood has those stretches, and they still didn't win, right? How much of what we saw from Phoenix yesterday was their A plus game? I don't think they were that close to it. And Dallas did what they could, and they still didn't come out of that game with a win. And so, yes, they played them really well. This is Phoenix is a better team than Dallas. I don't think there are too many people that argue that. But it sort of is the microcosm of the whole problem here, which is that once you get to playoff time, I could buy this team winning a series. I can't buy this team winning four series because everything has to go so right all of the time for things to work. And that's what we saw in the Philly game, right, where they win. It was a great performance. They're also hitting 50% of a huge volume of threes, and you get 80 points of Kyrie Luka. Not going to happen every time. Not even going to happen four times in the same series. So I don't feel great. I, I, I think they are on their way to doing what they want to do. I think there's upside left. But at the end of the day, I think there's a ceiling with what the non-Luka, non-Kyrie pieces are right now. And I think that's where the idea of the optimism comes from. Mavs Moneyballs, Josh Bowe made a convincing argument. Not about this season, which I think is fair. I think the pessimism about what they can do, whether they can build functional defensive lineups, um, which... They can't. There no. really is not any way to do that. Um, this season, if you just accept that, uh, the argument that that Josh was making was essentially that this team is close and that the pieces they need to acquire are ones that will become, you know, will be easier to do. And the, the, that, that you have the top end talent is what yeah. is a reason for further optimism. This is all assuming Kyrie Irving resigns as, and is the player on the court that we've seen. Where do you fall, Austin, on this? Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same vein. I think that game showed that there's a clear outline for a contender. They have like they have the structure for a contender, but they don't have all the pieces. They can't really they can't fill in all the spaces that a contender can fill in. Um, it's great to see Luca and Kyrie go toe to toe with Booker and, and Kevin Durant. It's honestly one of one of the better basketball games, one of the higher quality basketball games I've seen in, in quite a few years. I think that's something that everyone wants to watch. Honestly, if, if you want to introduce someone to basketball, you should have them watch that Mavs Suns game. It was a just it was a blast. It was legitimately fun in a way that this team has not always been legitimately fun. Rarely is this fun. Yeah, this team has not been very fun this season. And that was even though they lost, I that was some of the most enjoyable basketball that I've seen all season. And they I think also I, I would disagree with Mike in that I think that was a apex game from Durant and from Devin Booker. They they hit a high percentage of their mid range shots. I mean, Kevin Durant had thirty seven points and he only I think he had sixteen shots. It, they were very very efficient. I think the Mavs strategy that they used last year in the playoffs with the Suns, basically having the Suns shoot a lot of two pointers and trade twos for the Mavericks threes. They use that same formula to, to play this. And they're they're pretty good at defending the Suns. But the Suns have Kevin Durant now, and he does hit mid-range jumpers at an obscene rate. I think he's shooting like 55% from the field this year. He's the best off-dribble shooter in the league right now, maybe the best off-dribble shooter of all time. So that strategy, while it can be effective against a lot of teams, I think a team with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, it may be less effective, and we saw that yesterday. 
Um, but I think if they don't play the Suns, if they play maybe, let's say, the Kings, they, they play the Grizzlies, I think they can get a series. I think they can get two series if, if things break their way. But they, I don't think they're a true title contender. They just don't. They don't have the size on the defensive end to do that. I thought they really missed Dorian Finney-Smith yesterday and his size and his ability to, to guard Kevin Durant one-on-one. His ability to rebound on the weak side, it was it was pretty missed. I mean, I think they actually got some stops down the stretch, and they gave up two very killer offensive rebounds that went for putbacks. And those are things they just, they just don't have. Yeah, one on a free throw, too. Yeah, one on a, yeah, on a free throw, which is terrible. They just don't have the size and the athleticism to really be a problem. But when you have Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, you can win any single game. And to to spin off Mike's point, and and you know you kind of push back on the the Apex Phoenix performance by by pointing to Booker and and uh, what what Booker and Kevin Durant did. I I think that Phoenix may not solve the fifth starter solution this season. I I didn't leave that game, right. you know. Not to turn this into a Phoenix Suns podcast, but just very briefly here, I wasn't impressed. You know, I don't think Ishrain Wainwright's going to hit four or five most games. Uh, Josh Okogie going 0 of 8 is not unusual for him. Uh, they don't have a lot of great options for that fifth starter. And if they were to meet in the playoffs, that's exactly what the Mavericks would do again. And they would feel good about that. They they would say, cycle through all of these uh, you know, limited options on one side or the other, or just generally mediocre options. We're mostly not going to guard them. Or if it's Terrence Ross, we're going to attack them every single time. That's how the Mavericks would play that. And I think the Mavericks would feel good about that. And, you know, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker still might beat them, but the Mavericks do a good job really, you know, not just letting them, you know, they really have to work for their shots and they can work for their shots and hit them. But the idea that the Phoenix Suns are definitely going to be better in that fifth starter spot um which was a as you said mike a key reason why the first and you know most of the game was was so effective for the mavericks um i'm just not convinced oh i don't think any of their i mean look they did what dallas did on a bigger scale they sacrificed all their depth to get a big piece right but the flip side is that no matter i think all of our mileage might vary on deandre Ayton, but that was a that was a 10th percentile deandre Ayton game even by deandre Ayton disappearing in the postseason standards he was abysmal yesterday i don't think paul you know, even diminished can be that invisible in a seven game series. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I don't trust any other fifth starter options, but I don't think you're going to get games that bad from both Paul and Aiton in a seven game series all the time. And I think one thing that this game highlighted is that the, the, the Terrence Ross minutes for the Suns were a disaster. I think what this game highlighted is that in a playoff series, you cannot play a bad defender against the Mavericks. I think uh, Terrence Ross came, I think it was in the second quarter. And Luca and Kyrie just went, I think it was like five or six possessions straight, just hunted him every single possession, got an and one, got a layup, got a three. It was, honestly, it was pretty brutal. It was literally just clear out, empty side ISO for like six possessions straight, and they got a good shot every single time, and Terrence Ross did not come back into the game. And I think that's another thing that how their offense can help their defense in that they can't play any bad defenders. Another team cannot go out there and just put a guy who can't defend on the wing or at the guard position. And so on the other side of the floor, if that guy can't, if that guy gets a sub him for a better defensive player, that defensive player might be a worse offensive player like Josh Kogi or hypothetically Ishmael Wright. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, you know, say what you will about the Mavericks offense and sure. Absolutely. It has been boring in the same way the James Harden offense has at times been boring. Um, I don't personally find, you know, 
players that are that good at isolation to be boring. But I get the I get it. I get it. But uh, all this is to say is that, you know, when the Mavericks see mismatches, they're one of the most ruthless teams in the league, if not the most ruthless at just being like, yeah, we're going to, you know, just run isolation against the same player six trips in a row. If that's what it takes, if that's the best option on the floor, um, you know, it's it's uh, hijacking mathematics to, you know, and, and just spamming that the, the whole way um, that has been, you know, and I really think that comes from Luca, too. I think Luca knows exactly what the most mathematically sound uh, place to attack is on the floor. And that's why the way that Luca plays is often so dictated by what defenses are doing to him. And it, it, you know, it feels weird because it's like, Oh, the other team can make Luca play a certain way, but Luca can play every way. And he's just like, which one, what are you going to give up the most? And I will play that way because I'm that good at it. You know, where are you going to give me the most room and, and mismatches to operate with? Um, you know, even for a weird, bad Luca game that uh, was apparently affected by this thigh, this lingering thigh injury that he's had. Um, he said after the game that he couldn't really, he, he couldn't always push off and have the same amount of power that he's used to, essentially. And yeah, that that would affect, and, and it would kind of explain away some of his his struggles. Certainly, he you know compensated by really forcing his way to the line at times. But um, you know. It, and that's that's another aspect of the the, the Warshack nature of the, of this game is that, you know, if if Maxi wasn't playing and, and Luca, you know, was not fully himself, even if he ended up with good numbers. It's easy to see how a two, you know, a two point game, a one possession game could end quite differently. And, and we would probably have a different tune, you know, even here on this podcast about just specifically what that game meant. Um, so I'm I'm OK taking away some cautious optimism uh from that game but to your broader point mike it's still just it does not seem like there's any realistic path to this team you know playing defense to the level that you have to to win multiple playoff series yeah i mean again i'm with you that on a on an individual level there's there's good things to take from this you know i i what i will say is even if this is a matchup i don't think dallas would do well in the postseason i still kind of want to see it just because we got a little bit of this at the end of the game last night they don't like each other. And I like the fact they don't like each other. I like that there's something here. I like that we're going back to 20 years ago with possible Dallas-Phoenix mini rivalry. It's fun to see these two teams play. There's legitimate – I mean, we're seeing Booker become the Wade to Lucas Dirk. It's enjoyable. So I would like seeing another seven games of this because if nothing else, as Austin said, it will be very aesthetically pleasing basketball. And I think there's going to be some edge to it. Do you want to hear my theory on what happened, on what triggered that? Absolutely. Yes. So Devin Booker says after the game that he's talking to the referee and Luca obviously did not see it that way. He said afterwards that, you know, not based off the words that were said, you know, it's pretty, you know, it was clear to him that he wasn't that that Devin Booker was not talking to the referee. If Devin, I, I kind of believe Devin Booker because I think Devin Booker, like, He's aware of what happened last postseason. I think that, you know, it's one thing to talk trash. And look, I'm supportive of trash talking. I I love this stuff. And if he was talking trash, like, full respect to him. Like, you know, especially after what happened, like, that that takes uh, guts to, you know, be like, hey, man, I just beat you in the regular season. Never mind what happened last last spring. But I do. Lack of self-awareness. One of the, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, yes. I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, so... I buy the idea that Devin Booker may have actually been talking to the referee and saying pushed off. And there is another derogatory word that I don't think I should say on this podcast that kind of sounds like the first word, 
that is used on a basketball court a lot. In fact, I am pretty sure I heard Lucas saying that, uh, you know, from my media seat, that's that that pushed off uh, again. There's a word close to that. I'm pretty sure I heard Lucas say on the court from my media seat that that's what Devin called him. And I'm not really I just think it's funny. I'm not really blaming anyone here. If Luca was just like so ready to go and so expecting Devin, you know, to to talk shit that that that's what he heard. I, I think that that might have been what happened. Um, it's fun. It's funny. It's this is a funny rivalry. And it's exactly like you said, Mike, I love the idea that, you know, Luca is starting to build like an actual nemesis. Marcus Morris does not count as a nemesis that's a nemesis to everybody in the league nobody you know everybody gets in beef with him uh that's that's a fake rivalry yeah absolutely i don't think and i don't think devin booker is luca's you know equal as a player nobody's saying that but it's a credible threat that's what we're looking for here and i i wish i could attribute it as the right person but i saw someone post a reddit post of a Suns reporter who said that essentially that like after Luca missed the layup, obviously Booker was talking to the referee and saying that it was a charge or a push off or whatever. And then that's when it probably kind of was a push off, not the type that necessarily. And then Luca told him to shut the f up. And then afterwards, Booker said, "Well, then don't miss a layup." And that's when Luca got mad. That's that's what I saw. Said someone said a Suns reporter said. So that's not maybe. It maybe that's also pretty reasonable. Yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable, especially because you know how Luca gets when he when he misses shots. And and those two clearly just. They clearly have a very just genuine distaste for one another. I love it. It's a great robbery. I love a robbery that's built on just pure spite for no other reason than I just don't like you. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that ever happened to them that's really that that's all that bad. They just genuinely do not like each other. And it's great. I really I genuinely hope that they see each other in the playoffs. And uh, so I think you're right. I do not think they like each other. At the same time, they, you know put their heads up against each other and they were Luca couldn't help from smiling and Devin was trying to hold one back. It almost like it's almost like they knew that, you know, it was, there was some level of performance acting to what they were doing that like, obviously they both know their history. They know the memes, they know the, you know, the, that one infamous photo, um, you know, back together. Yeah. And it's, it's whether, you know, I think it was genuine, the emotions that, that led them to together. But I think they also recognized in that moment that this was, you know, going to be another, uh, you know, chapter in their, you know, you know, whenever some blog does the, the history of the Luka Doncic, Devin Booker beef, um, or when SB Nation, when, when Secret Base does a beef history about it, <laughs> like, like, like they understand that, that like they're adding to this, you know, they're adding a chapter to it and they, they can at least see the humor in it. Um, even if emotions were high and, and did kind of legitimately bring people together in that moment. So, yeah. And I like the fact that like, as far as we know, cause who knows, maybe there's something going on. We don't, we're not aware of, but as far as we know, it's just as Austin alluded to, I don't like you and you don't like me. That's it. There doesn't have to be a flashpoint. There's have to be some awful thing that, you know, spurred this. That's deeply personal. They don't have to see each other or give a shit about each other off the floor. It is literally just when we play this game against each other, I don't like being around you. That's freaking great, man. That's what we need. More petty spite in our sports. Let's go. That's No that's reason great. for it. Just like a bunch of just pure annoyance for three hours around each other. It's awesome. It's great. Yeah. And, and as Lucas said, everybody acts tough in the rut. <laughs> he did say that. So there's one other aspect of this game that we need to touch on. And it's basically that the Mavericks are one game over 500. That they are... 
I haven't checked uh, the standings on Monday night when we we're recording this, but you know, as of yesterday, they were in the play-in tournament. As much as you can take positives and optimism away from that game, if you choose to, and, and I think there are reasons to, they still have to start winning games. You know, this this it'd be one thing if if we if this was the eighth game of the season and the Mavericks were two and six, but we're like, well, look at the losses, look how close they were. You know, this is starting to come together. They don't have a lot of time to figure it out. And even if this team is not a, you know, is not going to be contending for the title this season, even if we think that's very unlikely just based off, you know, the core, the cast of, of characters they have, it's obvious that the play in tournament would be a failure to the season if, if they have to compete in that. And especially if, because anything can happen in these situations if they were to lose. And so... Do you guys sense the turnaround coming? You know, it, it, I, I thought that they would really start rattling off some games. And again, granted, some of them, have, like these have been very close games. You know, they, they beat the Spurs when they need to beat the Spurs. Uh, you know, they have a couple more games against San Antonio coming up. It's very, very hard to see them losing those. You know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, this the schedule is going to uh, dictate, you know, them starting to win some games. But at the same time, you know, Utah is in a pushover on Tuesday night, and then they immediately have to fly to New Orleans, which is a team that's struggling. It doesn't have Zion Williamson, but, you know, is a, is a, is a capable team as well. You know, there's there's back-to-backs, there's travel. You know, there's there's just duds mixed in there that just inevitably happen in, you know, the course of a too-long 82-game NBA season. So are the wins coming? Like, like do you think the Mavericks are, are safe or, or will, you know, safely build some cushion? away from, you know, the the threat of the play-in? I think they can string together a few wins here because they're, they're playing a few wounded birds coming up in the next two weeks. They have the Jazz who no longer have interest in winning and trade away a lot of their good rotation players that made them successful early this season. And they'll play the Pelicans on a back-to-back, which is they're, they're feisty, but they have not played well, and they still won't have Zion Williamson. And then they play the Grizzlies who have a myriad of issues going on. Lot, lots of things happening in their building that, and they need to take care of, of the Grizzlies. They've historically played them well. Um, they play the Lakers without without LeBron James. They'll have a game against the Pacers. They get to play the Hornets twice, and the Hornets were already bad and don't have a mellow ball. So those are some games. They, they'll get some games where they get to build some continuity and experiment a, few, a little bit with their lineups. They, this is a, a they should have like a seven and three run over their next ten games. This is really when they need to bank some wins and make sure that they clear themselves of the play in. And if they don't do that, then they don't deserve to go to the playoffs. Quite quite frankly, it's just Absolutely. that's it, it, this is a stretch of games that they are capable of winning and they should be able to bank some wins. I think they I think what the Phoenix game was was a good clarifying one of what their rotation should be like and what and how they should play. And now that they have Maxi, I think that'll help them along. Um, but now they've they've gotten those ten games to really work out the kinks with Luca and Kyrie, and the, the offense isn't an issue. The offense is blistering. Honestly, the, the offense is is so incredible. The only thing that's an issue with the offense right now is that the Luca numbers without Kyrie on the floor are not great. Luca has been a little bit, I think, hasn't been to his standard since Kyrie's gotten here, and I think the heel injury has been a has lingered longer than I think most most are letting on. Um, but that's really the only thing that hasn't gone well offensively. Defensively, they're they're playing hope and pray defense. They're going to have to just scrap together some defense, some paint defense, and Max is just going to have to play a lot of minutes. But this is a stretch they they should uh, cobble together some wins. 
Yeah, there's no optimism column in an NBA standings, but uh, like you said, like they've got a chance to go get the wins that they need to do, and that would make them deserving of you know being a top six seed. Yeah, I, I think Austin hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, the schedule's too easy. They have they'll have the two best players on the floor in most games they're playing. I don't even think I'm with Austin that like at a raw number standpoint, it's hard for the offense to get much better. At the same time, we watch this team play. There's still a lot of your turn, my turn going on. There are a lot of ways that they can become more well-oiled in how they play. And that I do think will help in late game situations in a way that what we've seen thus far hasn't. And as bad as the defense is, look, Maxie's their best defender. So Maxie, the more games he gets under his belt, the more minutes, it can't get worse. So yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a turnaround here. And if not, as Austin said, if you can't get a number of wins over the next couple of weeks, then there there are big questions that you have to ask yourself in the mirror that are bigger than just the talent level. I think that sums it up. We're going to keep this one pretty short, uh, but we will have another episode later this week. Mike, Austin, thank you for being here. Listeners, thank you for listening. It's what you do best. We'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca, big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, dude. That is a wrap.